Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Bruns here on Tuesday afternoon. That was a heck of a game for Nebraska on Saturday. Just give me your uh, give me your thoughts to hear a few days later of, of Nebraska's performance against Northwestern. We'll start with Bruns. Yeah, I, I think it's obviously Nebraska's most complete game that they've played under Scott Frost. Um, it was strange to you know be I, I look I think I looked at the the stat broadcast in like the third quarter and at that point Nebraska only had one penalty they hadn't had any special teams issues to that point and was just you know really leaning on a team a conference team um for the first time in a long time um and, and it was kind of fun to watch I mean I, I think I don't think that Northwestern is going to be confused with any of the elite teams in the Big Ten this year, but, you know, this is a, a team that coming in, we talked about, you know, all the time about how the, the series has been close and you know, that was the style of game that it was going to be. And Nebraska, you know, from the, the opening offensive possession is kind of blew the doors off with that long pass. Uh, you get the stop and, and was playing complimentary football. Um, and, and really made it look easy. That, that, that's kind of how I left that game was like, wow, like that doesn't seem like it should be that hard to do that more frequently. Um, you know, maybe, maybe do it once more than once every four years. So, uh, you know, just a, a, a night of good feelings. You had the, the music uh, between the, the third and the fourth quarter, which uh, even for a cynic like me, I thought that was pretty darn cool. Um, so it was it was a good night for the program and kind of a a night that they needed coming off of that Michigan State loss. BC, what what about you? Anything else you want to add there? Uh, Brunts hit it pretty well. I mean, I I think Nebraska's got. I actually think they have a top twenty five type of team when they get out of their own way. A top twenty type of team, maybe. I mean, when you look at the last few weeks and really after you get past the Illinois game, they've sort of been that for a lot large part of snaps. Um, you know, the big question going forward is against Michigan this week, you're obviously going to probably deal with some adversity that you didn't have this past week. And I'm curious how that O-line sort of reconfigured response to that when it happens, you know, when Aiden Hutchinson breaks down the door and gets a sack or something, I'm, I want to, I just want to see how those guys, you know, punch back in a, in a week where uh, it's going to be a stiff challenge. But I mean, for a first start, for Nuri and uh, Teddy um, and, and honestly, Turner switching sides is not easy to do midstream. That's really hard um, for those guys to play as well as they did up front. And I know Northwestern's not good, but they owned them and they, they pushed them back and it, it looked like it's supposed to look and um, a lot of credit for it. We, we always pick on this team when they, they don't get it done. You got to give them their due when they, when they put it all together. Yeah, they, they looked really good on Saturday. I mean, it, it, it was sort of like the, the kind of version that everybody had sort of wanted. Nebraska's offense played fast and loose, and they hit big shots, and they moved the ball, and they did it in chunks, and they ran it well. The option was involved. Adrian made smart decisions. I still think that third-quarter touchdown to Samari Toure is the best pass I've seen him throw. 
Uh, it was also great for, for Samari Toure to have a couple big catches in this game. He only had two, but they went for 108 yards. Previously, in his other games against Power 5 teams, he had been capped at 42 yards for a high. And I really do think that first catch set a big tone for, for kind of this game. He went up, he swooped in front of the safety. It maybe wasn't a perfect ball, but it was a, it was a 50-50 ball. And how often have we on this podcast talked about, hey, just give your receivers a chance. Let them go up and go get it. And Adrian did that, and Samari Toure made the catch and damn near scored a touchdown, you know, 30 yards later. And so I, uh, I thought that that kind of just really put Nebraska in a relaxed mode, and the defense showed up, and, and they played really well. It just – it was a perfect storm. It was the kind of game that Nebraska hasn't had enough of. And it's the kind of game that you you watch with both eyes open and your brain thinks a little bit and you think, like, they can do this more often than they have. They can play teams this way. They have a dangerous combination of uh, a quarterback that is crafty, that can uh, find different ways to beat you, and a defense that just doesn't let you beat them. And and they're, they're going to be really interesting. It has me excited for these next six games. And in particular, this game against Michigan coming up. It, it, what what do you guys think the most transferable thing that came out of Saturday was as you look ahead to, to Michigan? We'll start with Brian. I think – I guess I would say I think it's that they have their collection of receivers and tight ends all in place together at one time now. And I think – that's going to make it look a lot better. I'm not sure yet. I don't want to trumpet the O-line too much yet because I'm really interested how this week goes. And that's going to be a tough front they go against. But the one thing I do think Nebraska can do, even if it is tough sledding up front, is I think with Toure and now Oliver Martin and, you know, Xavier Betts is showing that he can be that guy who once or twice a game makes that play that kind of shifts things. Um, with those type of weapons on the outside and your big tight ends, I feel like Nebraska, even if it's, this is a slobber knocker defensive struggle can have a play or two where they get that lightning in a bottle, 58 yard play, you know, that, that brings this stadium to life and suddenly, okay, here you go. Um, and that's why I trust them to be in the game beyond the defense Saturday. Cause I think they have those explosives within them that they haven't had, they didn't have last year. That's, that's added to this offense this year. What do you think, Bruns? Yeah, it's the, the option it, piece of the offense is getting more intriguing. And, you know, Nebraska has a pretty high level of comfort, I think, with running it. Adrian Martinez looks good in space running it. Um, you know, and, it, and it's not just one or two guys out there as the pitch man either that look like they kind of know what they're doing uh that, that have kind of made that thing work I was I think I leaned over to Schaefer or BC at some point during that game I mean it was almost like Northwestern had not practiced anything against the option I mean they just looked completely lost against it and you know it, it's not something that defensive players see much nowadays um, it's something that I think probably in the normal course of preparing for an opponent is, is tough to get enough reps at. And I think if you can do that well enough and you can have some complimentary passes off of that look as well, 
I think that's something that helps you negate an athletic advantage that a, a team like Michigan or Ohio State or an Oklahoma might hold. So, um, you know, Scott Frost said this week he didn't think that they've run it particularly well. I think he graded it a six out of ten, but it, it's a wrinkle that that Nebraska has that a lot of schools don't see, and I think that's something that you can take into a game like this, and maybe you catch a guy out of place or a miscommunication on who has the the runner and who has the pitch man and, and, and that kind of thing. So I think that's something that they can kind of build around too, um, you know, and, and, and have, you know, th- this game against Michigan coming up is going to be a physical game where yards between the tackles are going to be really tough. But if you can get Adrian Martinez on the edge, you can get your playmakers on the edge in that way. Uh, that, that's a big advantage for an offense. So I think that's something that they can build on going forward. Yeah, I um, I, I don't know if this is like too far out over the skis here, but I also I think one of the things that's, that's transferable for me is sort of Nebraska's attitude. Like I, I just feel like this is a team that is mentally in a better place and where the rest of this program has kind of been since at least November of 2018. Like they're, they're confident. They, they feel like they belong on the field with these teams. The fact that Michigan is undefeated doesn't matter to them. The fact that Michigan has a first round pick and in, in Aiden Hutchinson doesn't bother Teddy Prohaska. He welcomes that opportunity and that challenge. Obviously the defense is playing with a ton of confidence right now. And, and, you know, talking about that sort of confidence when they're on the field and the belief that they have in the other 10 guys with them when they're out there, that they're just going to go get the job done. That, you know, as long as they execute what they're supposed to do on a given play, they're going to win more often than not. And I just, I I don't know, do you you guys think I'm reading too much into that? Because I just think mentally where Nebraska is right now is just a a better spot than what I kind of have seen from them in recent seasons. Oh, you're right. I, I, I definitely see that part of it. It's a shame they're three and three because it, the, I, I think people are right to be skeptical until they actually see a winning season put in place. So they've got to go do it now down the second half of the year. They got, they got to turn close into breakthrough wins. You got to knock down the door this week and, and win a game like this. But there's no question that, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, they think they can play with anybody. They really do. Um, and to this point, they've sort of showed that's probably true and they just got to keep backing it up now. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, and I think it's a team that they do have good chemistry actually, I think. And, you know, Frost on Thursday before the Northwestern game said a line and some people rolled their eyes, but he said, I was talking to team leaders and they're more confident right now about what we have as a football team than when we were zero and zero, even though our record is what it is, they know what we have. And I think, I think that's genuine. I really do. Now, now you gotta, you gotta pull a few of these suckers out. That's the bottom line. Cause it's such a bottom line business and you can like a team. And I think people kind of like this team, but uh, to fall in love with it, you got to make a couple plays in the fourth quarter and pull, pull one out and have people rush in the field and have one of those magical nights that, you know, we haven't had around here in a while. Lots Brunt? Yeah, it's, I was just thinking it's, it's a veteran team. I mean, I think the, the leadership 
I'm trying to think of like the, who you would really consider the leaders on this team, like a Jojo Doman, I think an Austin Allen, Adrian Martinez, certainly. Those are, are guys that are, they're kind of just steady guys, you know? And I mean, to, to kind of take what has happened the last few weeks, thinking of, you know, really playing well against Oklahoma, minus the special teams gaffes, um, you know, basically winning the game against Michigan State, but not being able to get it over the finish line. Um, you know, I, I think the, the bulk of this team feels like they're better than they've, than they've got to show for it. I think that they've, those leaders kind of drive that kind of just steady steadiness. I mean, there's just not a lot of um, up and down with these guys. So I think that helps you in a season like this where there is a lot of pressure. Um, you know, they're going to get their shot at Michigan. And I think you're right. I mean, I, I don't I don't get the sense that, you know, this, this team is really going to be awed by too much by uh, what they see on Saturday. And, and you know, that's even – you know, from some of these guys that were part of that team in 2018 that went up there and, and got their doors blown off, um, you know, in, in almost the same kind of reverse fashion as Nebraska did to Northwestern on last Saturday. Yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, some of the, the leadership on this team, Steady, is a good way to describe it. I mean, for as much as that guy has gone through and, and certainly what he's even gone through even this season, Adrian Martinez is nothing but steady and, and, you know, guys like Jojo Doman and, and uh, others, they bring that as well too. And then the defense, I mean, they just operate really well as a unit. And I think that probably provides some of that confidence. Speaking, speaking of the defense, speaking of just the team in general, Brunch, do you agree with this, this assessment? Nebraska is healthier now than they have been at any point in the season. Yeah, I think I think for the most part. I mean, I, you know, you saw on Saturday the difference that it made having um, having Oliver Martin back because you know that way you can have Samori Toure in the slot more, uh, and, and you don't have to be as limited at at, uh, at wide receiver. I mean, it, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, probably the biggest return that they've had to this point was getting Travis Vokalek back. Yeah, you're not wrong. I don't think you're wrong at all. Uh, go on. Uh, I was just going to say, like, you, you saw what the, – the playbook opens considerably when you have those two tight ends that are able to, to get some things done in the, in, the, in the blocking game and as a receiver, and I think that's what Vokalek's done. And it, he's, he doesn't have the, the flashy numbers, and I think sometimes Nebraska even kind of forgets that it has Austin Allen on the field. Um, at times as a receiver, but you know, the, the run game has looked better. You, you have to defend Nebraska differently when he's in there just because of his size. And I, I think that's been maybe not overlooked, but it just seems like the offense has just been a little bit more crisp since he's been back. And I think they were definitely missing that, um, against Illinois. Um, you know, probably a little bit. Uh, he didn't play against Oklahoma, right? I, I'm... He he played a little. a little. I mean, he was back. They didn't run a lot of double tight end set, um, but he was he he was available and he played a little. That's in that right. Game. Michigan yeah. State. He had the um, 
he had the catch against Oklahoma, remember? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. But and then, just, then against Michigan State, he had the full body, full extension catch. Like he's he's quietly had like one or two really important plays a game. I'm glad you brought him up because he doesn't probably get enough credit. But he's one of the reasons why, if you're optimistic about Nebraska's offense kind of coming out of the funk that they had been in, it's that the more times that he's out there, the more looks that they can give different teams and the, and the more that he can help on the edge. I mean, wasn't he one of those guys on the on the Xavier Betts run? Like, yeah, he took someone completely out of the play. Like, there's there's a lot to kind of like about what Nebraska's offense can be if they can get the blocking even marginally improved up front based on the other pieces that they have. Like, you know, it, it's such a reverse from 2018 where they had such an issue blocking on the edge of the field, 2019 too, to now they have really strong blockers on the edge. They just need to take care of it more in the middle. Yeah. No, it, I mean, Vokalek did spring. It was Vokalek and Prohaska on that left side against Northwestern on that, that Betts touchdown. But, you know, I, I think it was – I think it was at the Big Ten Media Days. Austin Allen was talking about how, you know, he and Vocal could be kind of walking around the facility and you know, Matt Lubick would pull him into the office and kind of show him a thing or two that they were working on to, to try to go out of two tight end personnel. And, you know, I, I think that that's – when you can do that well, it just creates so many matchup issues, especially when you've got Austin Allen, who's, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, depending on the broadcaster – and Travis Vokalak, who is equally as big with a huge catch radius. So it's, I think that's been a, kind of a maybe under the radar a little bit um, storyline of the year was just getting him back and, and what that's kind of meant for the, for the offense because I think it has helped a ton in the, uh, in the running area too just because he, he is such a good blocker. Yeah. Uh, have you kind of like I, – I forgot about this until I was sitting at the during the game on Saturday. Nebraska essentially has two true freshmen playing tackle right now. Like, obviously, Corcoran was here last year. So he's not really a true freshman, but in essence, he is because that's what his his year will, will count as. Like, it's kind of remarkable where this offensive line is right now compared to where I thought it was in July at Big Ten Media. You know? <laughs> You, you probably could have made a, a lot of money if back in July you would have said at the midpoint in the season Nebraska's starting lineup would consist of Teddy Prohaska at left tackle, Turner Corcoran at right tackle, Bryce Benhart out, and Nori Nuelli at guard. Like you had yeah. to, you, you had to, you had to push buttons. There had to be changes made, and Northwestern's a very small and probably not a great sample of, of what they're going to see the second half of the season. However, I think sometimes shuffling personnel and giving guys an opportunity kind of changes the calculus a little bit on how dialed in they are and, and what you're able to get out of them. And, you know, it, it, it looked like a good picture on, on Saturday. Do you, do you think, do you think that that line as it was constructed on Saturday will be able to stand up against Michigan? Cause that's, that's that's probably, to, in my mind, the biggest matchup on, on the field on Saturday is how Nebraska's line does against Michigan's front seven. Um, I think that they will be better. I guess my, my concern with the game against Michigan is less so the run blocking. 
Like, I think they'll be okay or fine as run blockers. I think Ramir Johnson will have another 65 to 80-yard day on 12 to 15 carries. It's not perfect, but, like, you're you're happy with that. If, if, if you went to a Nebraska fan right now and you're like, Ramir Johnson, 15 carries, 80 yards, they're going to take it no matter what. Um, my concern is Northwestern had really no pass rush at all. And so we haven't really seen these guys. The last time we saw them against a pass rush, Michigan State had seven sacks. Like that's that's an alarming number. Um, and Adrian has played one more game than a lot of other quarterbacks, but I think he's in the top five this country in terms of or, or top five this year in terms of sacks uh, across the country, sacks taken. And so he's been hit a lot because of that. And uh, this is a Michigan front that like you might be able to pick up a couple first downs, but it just takes that one second medium play that gets blown up where all of a sudden it's third and long. And we all know that means it's going to be like an Adrian keeper or whatever, because they're going to be worried about keeping him upright. Like I, the Michigan pass rush to me is the scariest part of this game. Like I, it's just, I think that they can take it over and they can wreck what advantages Nebraska might have with some of their receivers. Um, and they can get in Adrian's head and they can force turnovers that way. And so if the, if Prohaska and Turner Corcoran can hold up on the edge and then the interior has to be pretty good too, because that's been a turnstile, Nebraska's chances in this game go way up for me. But I just think that Michigan has such an advantage from that aspect that it's concerning. Yeah. So keys there, you went on first down, you, you keep, you keep yourself on schedule. You, you get – you probably have to help, have some guys helping out in, in pass protection. You also probably need Adrian to not hold the ball so long. I mean, that, that's been kind of another part, I guess, of, of the, the sacks that they've given up. Yes, there's been guys coming free, the stunts, the issues there, but uh, you know, sometimes it's just Adrian not making the decision quickly enough or trying to extend the play too long. And maybe this is a game where you start getting more of the quick game going in the passing game because, you know, that, that's one area that I think Nebraska could potentially have some success against Michigan is, is through the air. But um, I agree. I mean, I, I think if you start getting a third and long and, against Michigan, you know, third and, third and eight, third and nine, it, that, that's, that's going to make for a really long day for you. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I just think that that's kind of the, the scary part of all of it we're jumping around here um but one last thing before we go to break i what, what are your thoughts on garrett nelson and how he's played this year i mean i think he's second on the team in sacks right now i don't have that right in front of me i know you were talking with him on monday just wh- where are you at with garrett nelson and what you've seen in his third season at nebraska yeah i think he's taken a big step i mean i I mean, you you know Garrett Wells, Garrett Nelson well, and I mean, he, it's a the one thing that you can say about Garrett Nelson is that it means everything to him, and playing well at Nebraska means everything to him. And I think Garrett Nelson is the type of personality that thrives really well with very straightforward, very critical, very honest coaching. And from talking to him yesterday, you know he he had some rough conversations with Mike Dawson when Mike Dawson came back uh, to Nebraska about 
kind of where Garrett Nelson is as a pass rusher or was then. Um, you know, Garrett kind of said, yeah, you know, I thought I was doing okay. Uh, Coach Dawson started talking to me and realized basically that I sucked. <laughs> like that was essentially the way he said it was like I was really bad. Um, and so I think he's kind of gone to work on that. I think you're starting to see the fruits of, um, you know, that work. I think also having, um, you know, a better front seven in general around him, I think helps a lot. And, you know, it, it's, you know, sometimes just, you know, he's obviously a talented wrestler and he compared it to wrestling where you have to really fine tune your, your kind of go-to moves. And I think he's done that through hard work and repetition. And I think you're starting to see uh, that payoff on sat on Saturdays. And again, I mean, he's a huge emotional leader for this team. Um, you know, everybody kind of gets fired up when he gets fired up and, uh, if he can, you know, get you, get you a couple big plays against Michigan, that's how you stay in it uh, and, and potentially win uh, against a team like Michigan and some of those big plays on defense. All right, that was a rundown on Nebraska over the last week in football. Let's take a break, Brunts. When we come back, we'll be joined by Brian Christopherson, and we can dive into a conversation about Nebraska basketball. They're getting underway. You watched Nebraska baseball last weekend. We can even touch on recruiting. It could be a little mix and match segment. How about that? Sounds good. <laughs> that kind of enthusiasm, people. It is waiting for you after the break. Uh, we'll have more on Nebraska athletics when we return. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock out a little bit on recruiting here. They had their best visit weekend in some time. Obviously, Nebraska couldn't host anyone in 2020, but this is probably the busiest visit weekend they've had since mid-2019. 55 visitors on campus, 55 recruits, I should say, on campus, uh, including a number of really important guys. Uh, Dylan Rayola, I know he's a 2024. I know he's just a sophomore. I would put him in a short list of most important targets Nebraska's after, regardless of class. I think he's going to be a hugely impactful quarterback at the college level. Certainly you've got teams like uh, Georgia really involved in his recruitment already and more teams that are going to be coming in there. He came out uh, and, and visited. And what was really interesting is Nebraska, no dummies here. They, uh, they lined this thing up that a bunch of guys who knew each other over from the islands would all just happen upon themselves in the far corner of the uh, northern part of the stadium for Nebraska. And so uh, Tatum Tuioti and Dylan Rayola, 
Tausali, Akana, all of them hanging out. They all know each other. They all know each other pretty well. And it was a, it was a cool experience. I mean, it was the kind of thing that, um, you know, Akana was saying that it was really neat. One, that he was excited to, to get to see a Nebraska game in person. It was the first in-person game for the, the top 100 linebacker in the 2023, or top 100 player in the country, but a linebacker for the 2023 class. He was excited he got to see a game. He was excited he got to hang out with, with Rayola and, and that he has those deep connections to Nebraska. Uh, Akana's sister plays volleyball at Nebraska. And then, of course, Tatum Tuioti's dad is Tony Tuioti, who uh, coaches at Nebraska. And so they, it was no mistake that those guys hung out and they got to spend time with some other players that have Nebraska ties or are committed. And their visit weekends went pretty strong overall. The atmosphere was great. Uh, I think people walked away from that pretty happy. And then, of course, Nebraska had a lot of defensive prospects um, from the Midwest that were on campus. And guys like David Borchers and Watts McBride, they really liked their visits. They liked what they saw. Uh, you had Mario Buford, a Texas defensive back, 2024, top 100 player once again. He's got an Oregon offer as well as Nebraska. He liked what he saw. K.O. Akana, 2022 official visitor. Didn't get a full update, but from the sounds of things, Nebraska has squarely put themselves in the mix. He's committed to Boise State, but Nebraska won this game. They played well. The atmosphere was really good. He met some of these guys that he already knew from Hawaii that are also considering Nebraska. He was hosted by Wyndon Hohuli. The whole thing was well done, well put together, and I think Nebraska is pretty happy with how it all came off. We'll see kind of what commitments – comes out of that uh, run that they had there, but it was just good. And then, of course, you had your stalwarts and Ernest Hausman, Jake Applegate. Uh, they were there. Uh, Gunnar Gatula, 2023 offensive lineman from Southeast, committed. He was there. And it, it went really well. The other sort of interesting thing, there's been a few offers that have gone out, and I don't know that I find any of them, and, and several of them were junior college guys, and so that's interesting. But Malachi Coleman from Lincoln East, I've watched him play a couple times this year. He really intrigues me. Nebraska, I think, moved a little earlier than they probably had to, but they, they decided to go ahead and make the offer because it, it kind of fits this profile that Scott Frost has talked about. Like he wants his guys, if they're going to make mistakes, they're going to be going hard. They're going to be, uh, you know, doing everything they can, playing as fast as they can, playing as hard as they can. And if a mistake happens, a mistake happens. I think that's kind of the recruiting philosophy here because Malachi Coleman is a six foot five guy with great speed that you could put some weight on. That could be an outside linebacker, could be a wide receiver who plays the game as hard as he possibly can. And he's very raw. Like he's, he's got a lot left to learn in the game of football, but if you're going to miss on a guy, if you're going to miss on an in-state player, you're going to want to miss on a guy with these kinds of, you know, measurables that, that has that kind of speed that has that kind of ability that, you know, is, is out there as fired up to block a punt as he is to take a guy and drive him into the dirt one of the six times a game that Lincoln East actually runs the ball. So, um, you know, I, I was really intrigued that Nebraska pulled the trigger on that offer. I think that they are way out in front, obviously. Uh, Northern Iowa, the only other school to have offered at this point in time. But Malachi Coleman is a name people should know. And, and look, that 2023 group, Maverick Noonan, was also at the – at the game and he had a great time. I mean, I, I think for as much hand wringing as, as came through because Nebraska didn't get, you know, a Devin Jackson who just committed to Oregon and, or didn't get Michael Riley Ducker or didn't get Kate Helms. 
there's some pretty good players in 2023 where they have strong connections and they might have a strong in-state class because of it. So it's a little bit of a recruiting rundown there. Um, there's obviously more stuff on the message boards. If, if people want to know more, of course, you can always hit me up on there and either start a thread or, or shoot a DM or whatever you want to do. Um, but there's a lot going on with recruiting right now. And, and this weekend here with Michigan, I don't have a list yet uh, formulated, but I, I think that Nebraska will again have some guys on campus ready to watch this game under the lights. So it's, it's been nice for a program that hasn't always gotten those night games. They got one and they played it to perfection. How would you characterize their start to the 23 class? Like, obviously they haven't, you know, they're still working on 22, but it just seems, I, I was trying to think of if there's been kind of in the last three, four years, this type of just push for the next year's class at this point in, in the season, you know what I'm saying? The, the closest one might be 2021 where you already had Prohaska and then you got Lutovsky at the beginning of November. Uh, that was a, that was a pretty good one uh, for, for Nebraska in that regard. And that kind of came together throughout the 2019 season. So I, I know that sounds very confusing, but those guys committed uh, much earlier as juniors than what, you know, you, you were sort of expecting. Um, so then, I, I think that would be one of them, but yeah, they've done a really nice job with 2023. And some of that is there's just not that much more work for them to do for 2022. I think there's a couple targets that they have out there. They want to find a defensive back. They'd love to maybe add another offensive lineman if they can. They're not going to overextend themselves with scholarship offers to guys that they don't think are worthy. And they're going to take a small class and they're going to try to retain some of their, their draft eligible juniors or their, you know, guys that that could leave. And then they're going to go play the transfer portal. And right now, if they point at it, Chris Kolarovich has a role for them on defense. Samari Toure's played well. Travis Vokalex played well. I mean, Marquis Stepp has had some moments here or there. I mean, I, I think they're the kind of school, just like everybody else, wants to go into it. But Nebraska can point at some of these guys being able to play. And I think that's going to help them as they supplement their roster for 2022. So I, I like kind of how things set up. I mean, you, you would hope that uh, you could get maybe a little bit higher caliber with, with a small class here in 2022. But a lot of these guys just kind of fit roles, especially the defensive players, just kind of fit roles that uh, Eric Shenander seems to have really taken a liking to as he builds out that defense. And so um, that's going to be kind of fun and, and notable to watch. But things are really set up for a nice 2023 with the connections they have. And then, of course, like I said, Rayola's 2024, but this is a name that we're going to be talking about for a long, long time. All right, let's, uh, let's jump over to hoops. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. So I'm going to turn the floor over to Michael Brunson, Brian Christofferson. Gentlemen, have it. What did you think of GR about Brunson? Uh, I was gone by that time. You were, you were texting me updates mm-hmm. about uh, G Herbo. Um, I, I think probably the most important thing was he was on the stage much faster than Rick Ross was uh, oh, yeah. at that event two years ago. But um, you, you saw the scrimmage. You saw a, a pretty considerable piece of Nebraska's practice today. Mm-hmm. Is this team what, – what, what, what do you make of this team? I guess we're still uh, about a month away, but – what have you seen so far that you like and, and what are you still wanting to know more about? 
I, I get why uh, Fred Hoiberg is pretty excited. Um, and I think I want to temper it a little bit because there's some of these guys who are, they're just getting plugged into college basketball and even as talented as like Bryce McGowan's is and as high as his ceiling is. I think you even heard last week from Hoiberg, you know, there's going to be some growing pains and whenever there always is when you adjust to this level. So I think people need to keep that in mind. But I mentioned to you when we were watching practice today that when you looked at the first team, it looked like the first guys out there right now, the Alonzo Verge, the McGowan's brothers, Lapman, and uh, Derek Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you look at the second group of guys, and I, you know, it's early. This I'm not saying they're going to be the second guys, but you know, CJ Wilter, Keon Edwards, Tominaga, who lit it up Friday in front of everybody, Bryden Bach, Eduardo Andre. Those were the guys who were playing with the second unit today. I I said to you, I said, that's not a bad second group. You know, like that that looks a lot better than we've seen before here uh, when you start talking about guy. I mean, even then Quarren McPherson's like on the third group, and he's a guy that some people have kind of liked. So Trevor Lakes was hitting every shot today. He was in the third group. Uh, you know, so Oleg. So they have the depth, and that's going to be the biggest challenge for Fred Hoiberg, I think, is actually figuring out that rotation as you uh, sort of whittle it down to, like, who are the main seven or eight and sort of who in that second group sort of separates from the pack because it's going to be – I think it's going to be elbows out for some playing time. I'm excited to see Alonzo Verge, too, in in real action because he is sort of electric with the ball. He's slippery. He can get in the paint very easily. Uh, Hoiberg said the one thing about him is he's got to make the simple passes. Sometimes I think I, I, I was kind of reading between the lines there, you know, don't try to do too much or be too flashy sometimes when something is right there for you. Uh, but he's, he's a leader and he's, he's a guy who I I think is going to be pretty darn good. It was, uh, that second group today. I don't, I think you might've had to duck out for a radio thing, but the, the second group when they were playing, um, there was one where they just really took it to that first group. Um, Keshe hit a couple, a couple threes. Um, you know, they were getting to the rim and I, I agree with you. I, I, to me, the toughest spot too is, is how you figure out the, the perimeter minutes because you, you know that the McGowan's brothers are going to be a big part of what you're doing. I mean, you didn't even mention Kobe Webster in that group too, who's another huge name off the bench. And it's going to be tough to figure out how to make all that work. Um, you know, the, the scrimmage the other night, I mean, I don't think you, you probably learned a ton from that, but um, I'll be eager to see how this team is able to defend. Um, we don't know that yet. They have decent length on the perimeter, I guess, uh, to to be able to defend the three. But uh, you, you do kind of wonder, um, you know, aside from, you know, I guess kind of how that's going to work with Walker, Wilhelm, and, and Eddie Andre um, in, in the paint. So um, I, I'm just – the defense I'm still wanting to know more about. I'm curious to see if this team's going to be able to rebound well enough. And uh, but they, they can definitely shoot it. I mean, I was I was pretty impressed with uh, 
the number of guys that were knocking down shots today when they were going uh, going at each other in front of uh, NBA scouts. Yeah, they did have a bunch of scouts there too. And I'm glad you mentioned Kobe Webster because he's obviously going to matter. I think C.J. Wilcher is going to matter a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy who – and obviously if it, we could talk a little bit about Husker recruiting. If, if C.J. takes off, that's obviously great news. If, if he's flourishing in this offense and sort of likes what is going on here for – for his brother, you know, Simeon Wiltshire, who was in town and, you know, they had a good visit from uh, Omaha Blues, you know, number four recruit overall in the 23 class. And uh, I caught up with him Sunday night when he was driving back. And he said, you know, the thing that stood out to him, it wasn't just the basketball part. He went to the football game and it was sort of the the family feel of that surrounds Nebraska athletics, which I understand very well. I mean, there's, there's the community feels like that they are part of whatever happens with that athletic program. And I think recruits see that both football and basketball. So I think they've got legit shots at both those five-star guys in the 23 class. And I think they had really good weekends with them and they like Fred Hoiberg's offense. They like that. It's a pro style atmosphere that he's coaching the NBA, all that stuff. And I think also a guy like Omaha, he likes that um, the bigs can sort of do a lot of different things in Hoiberg's system, you know, like you watch guys who are, you know, like a Breidenbach and these type of guys, they're going to extend the floor and they're going to, they're going to be guys who are used one through five. And that, that really, uh, that means a lot to a player like that who values himself, who thinks of himself as a versatile guy. Was there from today, was there a guy that, I mean, from, from what you saw on, on Friday in that scrimmage and then maybe what you saw today and like where you actually had them running sets and plays and things like that, was there somebody that caught your eye a little bit more beyond just kind of the flashy dunks and everything? You mentioned Wilcher because I, I think he probably gets lost a little bit in the, in the mix of you know, of Bryce McGowan's coming in and, and this recruiting class. But, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a big piece off the bench for them. What, what, do you, what have you seen from him, I guess, in, in the last couple opportunities that, that kind of led you to believe that he was going to be a little bit more involved? He's a really good shooter. Um, he, he fashions himself as one of the top two or three shooters on this roster, I know, because he said that. And he – I mean, he's a guy who can drive it a little too, I think, and, and get in the paint. I think he plays pretty good defense from what we've seen. That that The defensive part is it's good you brought up because we have no idea, I don't think, what they're going to be on defense. So that's, you know, whether they're a team that can really threaten for something, a lot of it's going to be decided on that end of the court and the stuff that's really hard to judge off the stuff we've seen so far. Uh, but, yeah, I think it sounds like – it seems like CJ's really fit in. I think Breidenbach – like, I think Hoiberg loves him. Um, I think he sees him as a guy who can do so many different things for him in this offense. I'm not saying he's going to start right away, but I think over time he's going to become one of the most valued players on this team. And, um, and I think Alonzo, back to Alonzo Verge, I think he I think he might be the more, most exciting guy on the roster when it's all said and done. I don't know. I know, I know all the hoopla around Bryce, and it's for good reason. Uh, but I think Alonzo is going to be really fun to watch um, sort of set guys up getting in the paint 
Um, can he be more in control, you know, than like a Cam Mack was that, you know, that's a big question. Like, can you limit the turnovers and all that stuff when you get into league play? Brunch, you want to finish us up with some baseball talk from what you saw on Saturday? Yeah. Um, so Nebraska had, was supposed to play Wichita state in a, uh, scrimmage and Wichita state had some COVID issues. So Nebraska just did an inter-squad scrimmage. Six innings on Saturday. Uh, kind of the bullet points, I guess, from where Nebraska's at this fall with the red-white series coming up next week. Um, the offense has had a little bit more success this fall than they did last year. Um, that's not to say that the pitching's been bad, but they're, they're doing the little things at the plate that kind of lead you to have success. They're winning 3-2 counts. They're winning 1-1 one, one counts. They're uh, you know, getting a few more extra base hits than what they were. And that's a good thing because you, you're replacing your entire outfield. You've got guys playing in new spots. Bryce Matthews is playing over at shortstop now. You're trying to figure out who your second baseman is going to be. You need a little bit more pop at first base uh, in your entire outfield. So they've been encouraged by where the offense is at through this point of, um, of, of fall ball. Uh, still trying to figure out the, the pitching piece of it, what your, what your weekend rotation looks like. Uh, my understanding, Shea Shanneman has been lights out this fall on the mound. They really like what he's done uh, as, a, as a potential guy to stick in that weekend rotation. So uh, that's positive there. But uh, that, that kind of sorting out what the, the roles and everything look like, that's going to continue into January and beyond, and especially now that you have uh, midweek games coming back. Um, they're going to have to sort through those things. But I, I think – I think they're seeing the things that they want to see at this point in the fall to lead them to believe that they're going to be okay uh, once the season starts. So uh, the other little piece, uh, probably a schedule coming out sooner than later. I think you're going to see some marquee notable names of teams coming in to uh, play at Haymarket Park this year. Um, so that, that, that's a good thing too. Um, you know, you, you're not going to have uh, the midweeks against Northern Colorado. I think you're going to see some, some, some names that uh, are going to get people out to the ballpark. Uh, one of my fondest memories was one of their random midweek games against Northern Colorado on an unseasonably warm day and just great times. I, I suppose I can do the same if it's a name brand team, as you suggest. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, you, it always seemed like the, the Tuesday night game against Northern Colorado, the, the temperature first pitch was like 29 degrees. And then the next yeah. day it would be like 73. So, um, but I don't, I don't think you're getting that, that matchup this year. But uh, keep, keep the eyes peeled for the schedule. And um, one, I guess one other notable thing, uh, Chase Mason, who was thought to be a uh, – a potential top five, top five round draft pick ended up at Nebraska. He may be cleared to play in the red white series coming off of a knee injury. Um, I would be selling uh, tickets to watch him take BP if I were in Nebraska, but uh, getting him at bats will be really important, but he sounds like he's uh, close to coming back too. So if you're on the fence about the red white series, it might be worth getting out there if you can. All right. Any final thoughts, anybody? Anything you want to get off your chest before your next opportunity to speak is the Husker Hype Cast, which is available on Fridays. 
I, I don't actually don't talk between the this podcast and the Husker Hypecast, Husker twenty four seven Hypecast. So um, this was actually if you would go and listen, and someone did the data on this, this is the most words per minute on podcasts that you've had in a long time. Like you really, you really brought it today, Bronson. I'm proud of you. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I dug deep today. Gargle, gargle some uh, special salt water or something to make sure those vocal cords are in place for Friday morning at 4, 4.30 or 5 a.m. when we'll do that typecast. Yeah, Friday, Friday early. Yeah, I'll see you guys then. All right. For BC and Bruns, I'm Schaefer. We are Husker 24-7. And, of course, you can check out our work at Husker 24-7. We'll be back with a typecast at the end of this week. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.